Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You already know what it is. It is C-I-Z-Y, you dig? Back with the Culture Talks. Hey, man, look, I told y'all I was going to get more people on the podcast with me, and I've been keeping the commitment. So y'all got to give me, you know, virtual high fives, all right? Virtual high fives. Today, we have a new guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, my brother. Yes, sir. My name is Lafon Lewis. Kansas City native. I'm happy to be here, sir. I'm happy to be here. Blessings. You know what? I'm a, I apologize, but slow your name down for me real quick. <laughs> Say it one more time for me. It is Mun Fua. Simple as that. Simple you didn't change that. anything up to try to like a, uh, you that's, know, cater it. to the American cool. That's All right, Mun Perfect. I like that. That's fire. It looks exactly as it how it has it as it's spelled, pretty much. Mun It's it's one thing that I think is funny is like a lot of people who have. Um, names that are from a different culture besides like American culture is they try to like cater to the Americans and like try to say it a certain way so they can say it. And I never really liked that. Like <laughs> I always thought it was weird because it felt like I was like, like my personal name is not like college is not African at all, but my middle name, Gege, like when I'd be like, my name's Gege or Gege, they'd be like, how do you say that? And I'm like, Gege. And they'd be like, Gege? I'm like, Gege. And they're like, gay, gay. And I'm like, bro, say it correctly, dog. And I'm like, I can't. It's not American. I'm like, bro, you're not trying. Like, And I always thought I was disrespectful, like, for me. Or when there'd be, like, people in class. You ever had, I don't know, like, what the, like, how diverse your school was, like, in high school growing up. But if you if you had, like, different kids from, like, other different countries yeah, in Africa yeah. and they, like, the teachers just butcher their names. You know, I I still deal with it. I dealt with it my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, um Really, it took some time to, to, to grow into it, but over time, I just became very uncompromising with my name. So either you don't know it or don't say it at all. There's no nicknames. I don't do nicknames for my first name. I don't do any, like, weird pronunciations. It, you know, I, I'm pretty uncompromising. But it took time to develop that overall. But it's it's definitely something I've dealt with, yeah, all, bro. All, you know, most of my life. So. I think it's important for people of, you know, if you're if your name or or you come from a culture that's not American, whether you're from Asia, whether you're from Africa, whether you're from uh, Latin America, like wherever you're from, do not switch up or like compromise. And if somebody's like, like there's some people who switch their whole names up, their name will be like Hassan, and then they'll go to work and they'll be like. Uh, hey Harry, but who the hell is Harry? And they're like, oh, that, that's my work name. Like even my sister does it. My sister's name is Mona Ibi. and like out, like in New York they used to call her Mona. And then like in some places they'll just like cut it all the way off, which I don't think is a problem because I honestly do this sometimes. Is I'll call her Edie, like just cut the first part of her name off. But like I remember they, I used to go to her work. She used to work at. Uh, I don't know if we have a Zara here. Do we have a Zara here? No, no. no. But you know, you know Zara. You travel from outside of here, so right, right, right. Um, she used to work at Zara, and I used to go to Zara on like Fifth Ave in New York, and like pull up to the store to say what's up to my sister, and I'm like looking, and I'm like, "Is Mona Edie here?" And they're like, "Who?" And I'm like, "Is Mona Edie here?" And they're like, "Who?" I'm like, "This whole time, my sister's a manager." I'm like, "How they don't know who my sister is?" And then they're like, "My sister come up like, hey," and they're like, "This my little brother." I'm like, "Oh, Mona." I'm like, "Well, I see." Growing up, my parents kind of messed me up in a funny way. They were like, they called me Alan, which is my middle name. Mm-hmm. And that was like my grandfather's first name. So growing up, I was called Alan. So when I went to school, I preferred Alan at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think 
on accident in high school, rather than switching my name to Alan, uh, the teachers were trying to pronounce my first name. first name. But by that time, I was like, whatever. I don't care. Like, that's my first name. Here it is. But then over time, I think as my identity grew, I was like, no, I'm going to be more uncom- uncompromising. Then. Now, a lot of people still call me Alan, but um, from a formal sense, and then just in general, like, people, you know, I became uncompromising in terms of that. But my first name, I still never gave it a nickname. You can't learn none of that. I would be like, oh, yeah, you can call me Alan at times, but even then, that's less of an option for people growing up. And I think that's like a, it's a growing thing for us for sure. kids. You know what I mean? We gotta, eventually there's like this self-identification that has to happen for us to to feel empowered about our first names. It's really beautiful. We all come from different cultures and different meanings and all those type of things. I love learning about the meanings behind people's names. I didn't learn the meaning of my name until my shoulder, but so what is the meaning of your name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it means man in all white, uh, which kind of roughly translates to, well, that's the rough translation, but it essentially means like chief. Um, I like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my mom, <laughs> uh, man of influence, my mom told me back in Liberia, which is the origin of the name, uh, there would be men that would wear these white garments, they would Muslim men. Um, so they would go to the mosque wearing these beautiful white garments. So they would be like so amazed by these men that would walk through. So that's what they would refer to them as. So yeah, so she named me after my grandfather. Who that, that was his middle name. Went for and she came my first. That's fire. I like that. I like that. That's fine. Funny, funny story. Like my so for those on the podcast that don't know me or my family um so tanzanian background and like on my mom's side majority like she grew up a muslim and like um her grandfather her father was a muslim which who was the religious person in the family so basically a muslim background but i got like you know i don't know if you still keep in contact with family from back home but if you do you know that almost everyone functions on whatsapp you know like instead of you know if you're not from like if you have family outside of the states everybody got whatsapp so my family from back home like sent group messages from an event that happened the other day and like it was like they were having their prayer like a muslim prayer and it the whole point of me mentioning this is because they all had they fly white outfits on with they with with, with they uh with their goofy hat on. It was like, ooh, look at fly. I was like, hey, if I wasn't technically religiously culturally appropriating, if I rocked that outfit since I'm not Muslim myself, yeah. like I would rock it. I would <laughs> I would rock it. So yo, their outfits are fly. Some of my cousins, like when they go to like events, they be pulling pulling out these fire, like just fire all put together garments, like. And I'm like, yo, man, sometimes I really want to rock it, but I don't want to, like, step on other people's, you know, yeah. culture or, like, yeah. trying to just so I can look fly. You know, I don't know. It's like it's mixed. You know, sometimes you could get like you might have like somebody you marry that might be like Caucasian or a different culture. And then you like they come to a family event. And you're like, here, rock this dashiki. And at like that time, it might yeah, be OK because yeah. you're like, yo, rock this. Fitting. Yeah. Culturally sharing. But it's like. There's a fine line. Even people that are from immigrant backgrounds need to follow as well when it comes to other cultures. So it's fire. It's fire. It's fire. Um, speaking of identity, I don't want to jump like too deep right into it, but we're going to. Um, so you grew up in the States, right? I did. Got I did. you. So one thing I always like have a question for people like from immigrant households who grow up in the States, especially Africans, is like, how was your relationship with African-Americans or like black Americans or like the, the, the black people you ran into in the uh, States, you know, like how was that? 
did you feel accepted? Did you feel different? Was that like your your group? I'll share like how it was for me after you share, but like how was how was that experience? You know, I I think the, the beauty of Liberia in a sense is that the culture is different, but then there are a lot of weird like similarities with American culture, with black American culture. Um, so growing up, I'd say like for like my early years, majority of my friends were black Americans and with no opposition, like my family didn't really speak disparagingly of black Americans um, because really, especially my mom, we all black. So, Facts. you know, it's racism. <laughs> right. Um, of course, with different cultural aspects. Uh, but then as I got older, I, I was more in white spaces uh, because I grew up in private school and my parents didn't want me necessarily in the public school system. Because um, I grew up for the maybe like first part of my life, South KC, Grandview area. So um, they wanted me in private school, did private school. But as I got older, um, my relationship with black people was still the same. I didn't really view them as anybody different. I just knew I came from a different background. Now, was there a teasing for being African? Absolutely. Absolutely in those spaces. But I never felt like I didn't belong. I never felt like I didn't belong. Um, I, would, I, I was told that I talked white. But that was actually by a majority of white, white people. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily for sure. People. That's been the same for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was, I was pretty accepted in the every space I've gotten into with people that look like me, and that was affirming. I know not everybody has that experience, but for me, I felt pretty accepted. I think where I may have felt different was just maybe what I was into mm-hmm. or um, some of my interests. But as a collective of just being black, uh, I felt I felt accepted. Which I think is a beautiful thing. I feel like growing up, I thought it was super interesting just because, like, my dad's Caucasian, my mom's Tanzanian, uh, my mom's not particular, like, you know, my mom doesn't really understand quote unquote American culture. Um, and then my dad, sure to hell, he born in the 40s and he's an old white dude. Like, you can make the assumptions and they're true. Like, I love my dad, but I'm just saying, make the assumptions right. and they're true. Um, so for me, it was like, I didn't go into school with like like having a, a, a black American identity. I went into school as just like human. I'm like, yo, I'm a human. All of y'all are dope. You know what I'm saying? Like I rock with everybody. But what I saw as soon as I started leaving elementary, um, I didn't see too much like about race in elementary. I, like all I remember from that, oh, your dad and your, that's your dad? Like, because my dad was white. That's your dad? Like, how do they have you? Why do you look like that? Like that, you know, fun, like little elementary, not trying to be rude. They just, we were confused little kids. Like, Oh, how do you do that? <laughs> um, but then like middle school came around and things like that. And it was like, okay, there's definitely people who don't want me to like be in their groups. And then people who accept me, which was like, okay. Like all the black kids was like, yo, come kick it. Like, come kick, come out. Come like, so that was my group. That's who I'm always around. That's the culture that I'm picking up the language I'm picking up. Um, like everything I'm picking up is from that from that group. I got along with everybody else, but I didn't feel particularly comfortable with people who look like my dad. It's like I love I love everybody, but it was like I'd be in these groups and I'm like, don't feel accepted because they'd be making sly little jokes. You know, it'd be like a pencil will disappear on the table. But who took the pencil? I'll be like the only person to call. Like Collis, uh, just kidding, or the like the black guy. Oh, just kidding, bro. It's just a joke. Like and saying things like that, and like I'd laugh with them, you know, whatever. But like when I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, I don't really want to be around that. Like I don't think that's funny, or like you just you know 
weird little jokes, you know, that I didn't really yeah. like and feel and made me feel like they thought of me differently or looked at me differently. Um, and they felt so much more comfortable in high school saying like, like white people love saying the N word around me. Cause they're like, you're not, even, they would be like, you're not even full black. Like it doesn't even really matter. You can't get mad. I'm like, uh, where a lot yeah. of realization hit me. Mm-hmm. Cause I felt like going into everything, I was like a, a very good form of like naive, like in terms of just like who I was dealing with. Cause like you, I didn't, I didn't necessarily see uh, color as a barrier to friendship, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. growing up, I had black friends, I had white friends, so it didn't matter to me. But high school is when a lot of the, there's a lot of insecure kids. In Facts, yeah. So especially, you know, a lot of these white kids at the time that would spew these racism, like racist jokes and, and just insensitive comments about my skin color mm-hmm. is one thing I noticed as well. And I would just put up with it. Like I'd laugh or whatever. Well, yeah, they call me a friend, but... Um, I don't know, something hit me, like, later on in my high school year. I'm like, this is trash. Like, mm-hmm. I, and then I started getting treated better by just different people in general. I'm like, oh, I don't even like this. Mm-hmm. So even going into college, I was like, dog, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be a part of that. Like, right. um, and, and I think that's so unfortunate that, um, you know, we enter these spaces and we try to be, we really just try to exist. And people just can't let us exist in peace. Like they gotta bring something. It's always the little stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. you're not black enough, or who stole this? You, mm-hmm. or they'll tell you you're not black enough, and then they'll like put attack. put a stereotype, yeah, yeah, a stereotype, attack you with a black stereotype. Yeah. yeah, anything to make themselves feel better. Get mm-hmm. Looking back at, it, I'm just like, where are they now? But, right. You know. I thought I thought it was funny because yeah, it's like there was no barriers, but then they started spewing those jokes, and I was like, ooh, maybe I don't want to be around you. But I think like how I developed from there, like where I was like started separating myself from them. And then I was starting, which technically in a form is like division in itself, which isn't good either. You know, you dividing yourself from, from like that. It's good to divide yourself from that energy, but then you automatically start thinking that all white people around you are going to be like this. So you just want to divide yourself. But what helped me get out of that little phase was like, Oh, I just need to speak up. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we'll laugh with them. I, I know a lot of like I'll even be around like my little homies who let some little they little friends say something funny. I'm like, nah, man. You don't need to fight them. You don't need to yell at them. But you need to be like, yo, bro, that makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't appreciate that. That's kind of disrespectful. Like I'm not with all of that. And once I started doing that, or once I started letting people know that, then they would respect the space and they would just treat me as a friend should be treated with love, respect, and like you know, if anybody else in the group would say something, they would speak up for me, even though they are not they are not of color or anything like that. But they'd be like, yo, don't do that, bro. That's not cool. And so now they learn from that. And from there, then I was like, ah, now I can be like type of Josh need to speak up. And when I speak, you shouldn't have to speak up. It should be a, a known thing, of course. But like I felt like once I like said something, let people know, people are able to understand that their actions aren't correct. Like it's not OK. So. And and I feel like that goes in all places, not just race, just anything. Like, yo, that's not okay. I don't. If your homies over here talking about like doing weird like stuff, you don't appreciate disrespecting women like while they're next to you, and you're like, yo, I don't rock with that, bro. Don't speak about that around me. Then eventually they're gonna respect that, and if they don't, then they don't respect you. Therefore, keep your you know take and, your space. And exactly, mm-hmm. I think um, really that that that's the nail on the head. I really became more outspoken um, through my college years. And I still like it's crazy because you know I was very um, 
involved with the black community in college. Uh, definitely a black student leader. Um, <laughs> I will come home and I live with white guys uh, until, you know, uh, my homie moved here with us. But um, even with that, I wasn't afraid. It, it takes so much time. And, you know, not everybody is able to do that. So my hope is that as kids grow up and they're in those suburban areas or those areas where it's predominantly white, um, I hope that they're able to speak up, um, even if it's uncomfortable, um, to hopefully, not necessarily to benefit those that don't know, but to benefit others that are afraid to speak up and that are afraid to um, exist freely um, because those kids need to just exist. Hopefully the other ones will come around to it as well to, to respect um, their fellow person, but it's, it's it's an interesting interesting conversation. We can call it facts, facts, <laughs> facts. I think uh, uh, a lot of the people I've talking spoken to so far have uh, talked about how they saw it as being valuable, though, like growing up around like as the minority is like they learned how to speak in certain spaces, how to interact in certain spaces, how to love in certain spaces, no matter what the you know people's color looked like. They they were able to learn from the experience. So it's like. Every single person I've talked to so far, I think, like, like have been, like, have at some point um, been the minority in their school. Like, they might have grown up in this part of Kansas, in South KC, or certain parts of KC where it's major, like, where white people aren't the majority. But then at some point in their life, they moved to a certain area where they had to go to a school that they were the minority, but they, they said it was a struggle, but they learned from it and were able to, like, learn how to speak and learn how to, like, in certain situations and just how to, identify like energies and just like figure things out that help them now and where they're at in their creative field, yeah, um, yeah. which I thought I, was powerful. You learn how to swerve mm-hmm. too. Like you learn how to swerve for me. Like I'm thankful for those experiences. I mm-hmm. feel like it's made me who I am. I think it's, it's taught me a lot um, when I'm around other groups to spot nonsense and to call it out or to avoid that and to move towards spaces that are more loving. So yeah, I, I mean, I echo that. I definitely am thankful for those moments, those experiences. I got a chance to reflect upon those throughout the years, and bless. bless. They, they didn't even realize they they, they benefited me. Right, you know, right. So, for sure. It's funny because everything we just talked about for the first like twenty minutes of this has was nothing that I wrote down, <laughs> which is totally fine. You know, we just vibe. But it's funny. So we're gonna go into one of my questions, man. Um, what role does family play in your life and how did family contribute to the man you are today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, family's very important. Um, I'm, I'm a family, close friend-centric guy. Um, if anybody knows me, I don't mean it like off the, like, I'm not trying to sound like a cliche, mm-hmm. but, like, I definitely keep a tight circle. Um, and that's just kind of always been the person that I, I've been. Like, I just like having... You know, my close friends, cool with a lot of people, but like my close friends are my close friends, my family is my family. Um, but no, like family was a very emphasized thing growing up, uh, especially, you know, you come from that that household, especially in the African culture, like family is it. Um, and really just, oh man, I don't, how do they shape me to be who I am today? Um, it made me sarcastic, <laughs> but it made me loving, uh, made me respectful. Uh, it made me think outside of the norm. Uh, my family uh, made me value the importance of relationships. 
and to this day, I, I value relationships um, very much organically. Organically, um, I don't like forced relationships. I'm cool to be cool with everybody, but I love to develop organic relationships with people, especially other creators. I love doing that. Um, so that I feel like my family gave that much to me growing up, and and really just it also made me independent in a weird way. Like my family, my parents worked um, a lot. So it's like me and my sister. So we just learned a lot, just like taking care of each other. I took care of my sister. She's younger than me. Um, I love being alone. I used to like that. So if I wasn't with friends, I didn't mind being in my room. I had a great imagination growing up. So I like, oh man, I used to get deep into the NCAA, uh, you know, dynasty modes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, I missed the NCAA games. They used to have the football joint. They even had the basketball. You remember the Blake Griffin on the uh, front of the cover? Of I own that game. You still got it? I'll, you know what? I need to find it. But, I don't but yeah, my, my family taught me a lot. And that was, those are some of those like principles, mm-hmm. um, the independence. But even just like the importance of relationships are, are some of the things that like they, that still resonate with me to this day, for sure. Have you been back home ever yet? I have not. I'm 25. Ain't been to Liberia. The hope is this year. Okay. This year is 2020. Yeah. yeah, towards the end of 2020, my, me and my mother talked about it. We're hoping to go. She hasn't. I don't think she's been back since 2003. Sheesh. Um. So I, I would love to. Uh, that would be amazing. I think. I think like anybody from any immigrant household that hasn't been back home to like where their roots are, it's like it's a beautiful moment, bro. It's a I, I've, I used to go back growing up, like throughout the summers growing up, like to Tanzania. But the most recent time I went in 2017 was like the most, I don't know what word to use, monumental, most powerful because I was like older. Mm. So I've been going back as a child. But when you're a child, you kind of don't look at certain things. You don't appreciate certain things. You don't realize certain things. You don't understand life completely. You're just there. See your cousins hang out, have fun, run the village, whatever, do grab some food. But going back at like 20, I was like, oh, like shit is different. And then like, even though I've been going my whole life and things were probably developing, like, so it's probably way better than it was when I was a kid. But at 20, I'm like, yo, damn, like, oh, this is real. Oh, this person struggling like this. Oh, this is what this looks like. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, Africa's really like rich. Oh, Africa's really poor. Like, the, yeah. oh, this is it. like yeah. you're just realizing. Oh, people look at me differently. I didn't realize that when I was a kid. Oh, like so. There's like so many different things. So I think it will be powerful. Anyways, to oh, get to the point, I like I think it'll be powerful when you get to go, especially at this age and like you you've grown. You know, you have different. You have you have developed your own outlooks on life and how things work. You're seeing how the world works. So like going and experiencing your roots, it's going to be, it's going to be dope, bro. So I hope that happens. Um, what was your childhood dream in and how has that changed today? If it has. Oh, it definitely has. Uh, as a kid, I wanted to play in the NBA. Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to the league. I thought I was the NFL for me. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I thought I was, a, I was turns out, Hell no. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a lot has changed. To If I would have told you I was going to do this, or if you, I'm going to say this, and this is, tells you so much about my personality. If you would have told me as a young kid that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I'd probably been like, oh, okay. So I would have probably mm-hmm. believed you, but I wouldn't have, um, I'm like, well, that's a little disappointing. I thought NBA was the, the way to go. 
Because I'm such like a reasonable person. Yeah, yeah. He's like, like, well, oh, that's, that's kind of disappointing, that's but you know, like, all right. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I definitely want to play in the league. Like, uh, big NBA fan growing up. Um, created my own player all the time. Um, I didn't really grow up in like a household though that recognized how you invest in the kids when it came to sports. Mm-hmm. So you know, my, my same younger same parents same didn't know nothing about that. They thought, oh, maybe you should buy a goal earlier. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. you should take him here to, to practice and. I didn't really, I didn't really have to mind for it mm-hmm. growing up at first. Exact, exact same for me. Yeah. But I think if I would have, I still probably would have made it. To right, because you know, yeah, it is what hard. it is. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, that was, that Respect was, to yeah. anybody that's made it <laughs> to the league. The dream. Mm-hmm. High school, I thought I was gonna be like a psychologist or a pharmacist. Oh, fine. Uh, my mom, typical African mother, mm-hmm. wanted me to be in the medical field, mm-hmm. and I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like no, nah, this ain't for me. This ain't. So what did you go to college for? And what college did you go to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a K-State grad. Hey, Um, Manhattan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, So I graduated with my degree in finance, so business administration. Uh, Originally, I came in thinking psychology, um, potentially first day of orientation. I was like, I don't want to do that. So let's just not do that. Right. (laughs) So I did I did business for a little bit. Initially, I thought I wanted to come in, and after I kind of changed my mind, I was like, maybe I'll, you know, I wanted to help people. I, re- I realized I wanted to help people. I had an experience prior to college where I got to be kind of like work with some um, some struggling families um, in, in, in lesser communities, and I knew the way that I grew up as well. Um, I wanted to somehow help people, so I thought I was going to start like a nonprofit or some sort. And someone had put me on the game and said, well, why don't you get your business degree versus like a psych degree or something like that? So while I was undeclared, I was looking at business pretty hard. So I ended up going into accounting, struggled through that. And I was like, oh, man, this is terrible. And then I had some friends and fraternity brothers. I was like, yo, you know, try finance. So throughout college, I did finance. It was cool. Um, but I started to discover more of my creative side or like honing in on it. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily passionate about finance other than like maybe certain intricates of what you can do with that knowledge. Um, but I'd say I finished, uh, got it done, got my degree, got a job in finance to this day, but that was never really where my passion was. And I learned that wasn't my passion, but I was happy to get my degree. Um, cause someone else put me on game and I said, Hey, they're not worried about what your degree is right now. If you want to really chase what you want to just get the damn degree. Just Facts. get the degree. Yeah. You're just showing people that you're trainable at this point. So I was like, okay, I'll finish. Because I was about this close to yeah, like... To dipping out. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, man, I'm tired of this. Mm-hmm. I, I want something different or... But that would have set me back another couple of years. I couldn't afford that. So, yeah, like I thought I was going to be a lot of different things, but I didn't get a finance degree. Got you. Um, so what do you think some of, uh, like, inspired you or, or maybe not, maybe that's not the word, but what do you think got you on the path of discovery of your creative self. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. I think once I discovered that thing, I think it, it made me realize I was always a creative kid, um, just not traditional. Well, not your typical. Like, I wasn't in the art classes heavy, though. I enjoyed art here and there. enjoyed painting here and there. But I just had a great imagination. Like, I would... And I would make do with what I had because my family... 
didn't buy a lot of stuff for us to like really dive into. And I would always ask for things that I could do more with, like that were pretty personal. So I would build, I didn't have building blocks, so I would use old VCRs That's tapes to like build house fires. I ain't gonna lie, house fire. <laughs> well, I would use like, <laughs> right. you know, old DVD boxes and build like a house and like stack things up for my, my toys and stuff like that. I sick. Or, you know, I would create my own sports leagues. Like, NBA ain't doing this well. And Kansas City deserves a team, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna make my own team. So I, would, I had this imagination. So um, kind of midway through college, um, I was starting to get really involved. And the only way really I would kind of kind of release some of that creative um, tension would just be through funny Snapchat videos of my boys. Like, we were clowning. Like, you know, we, we would see things on Vine because Vine was, you know, at, at its height. Vine was popping. So I'm like, yo, 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 let's... Let's do this 90s R&B, you know, music video. So we recorded in my house. We'd be wild, we'd be <laughs> dancing and lip, lip syncing. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, we're, we're on one. Um, and we just did a lot of these videos, and people would love them. Like, they would really get excited. They would laugh. They would repost. I still got some of those videos to this day. You're going to show me after. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> but, um, but after that, I was like, man, this ain't enough, man. This ain't enough, so... I just took it upon myself because I knew we had some resources. I was like, yo, I'm going to... I, had, I was going to spend the summer in Manhattan. So I was like, yo, let me let me just pick something up. So I had told myself I was going to paint. So I told myself I was going to buy some canvases over the summer, buy some paint, and just paint in my basement. But I was broke. So I was like, that ain't going to happen. So kind of going into that school year, um, I was our Black Student Union president. So it was homecoming. We were part of the parade with everybody else. So I was like, yo, let me grab this camera. Let me see how this just grab a camera. I know we need pictures taken. We never had pictures because I was big on like trying to get us on social media. I'm so sorry to pause you right yeah. there. I hate pause. to do it, pause. but we're going to pause you because we're about to go on break. So we'll be back in just <laughs> a second. So sorry, brother. We are we we're back from break. We had to we had to pause you so we didn't miss any of the beautiful things you were about to say and about to say. But um, yeah, continue on what you were talking about. Yeah, you were yeah. talking about as soon as you picked up the camera. That's where we left off. Yeah, I picked up the camera. It was like this cheap point and shoot camera. The library, all the good ones were taken. So I was like, yeah, I'll take this one. I didn't know better, and I just started taking pictures at homecoming of friends and a lot of like the students there. I was like, yo, this is this is kind of fun. Like this is cool. So then throughout that year, I would find an excuse to rent a camera with it or whatever. So I was like, oh, we have this going on today. And I'm not going to be in the <laughs> meeting. So let me go ahead and uh, we'll go rent this camera. I'm going to just take right. some pictures. Imagine seeing this dude. There's never photography going on at these meetings. Just jumping around with my camera. <laughs> like the camera is trying to. Like, oh, six foot one. Just That's trying to was, lean into I'm the picture. Saying, right? you see this tall dude. Dressed up, trying to take pictures. I'm like, look at this dude. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I just loved it so much. So then um, I kept renting, and then I even bought, like, a small camera that was terrible. And I just kept shooting. And then eventually I asked my friends to start shoot, shooting with me rather than, like, doing events. Um, and then, you know, so forth and so forth. Like, I just kept diving into it. Because uh, I've always loved music. I've always loved things someone created things. I've always had an interest in fashion, but um, that was when I really started to just actually do something creative that was actually something I could display. And then that 
kind of changed my thinking. And then I started consuming things and started being around things and started thinking different. I think sometimes everybody, that's why we probably need to expose kids to the arts and to other things. And because it isn't so much necessarily to gain a new skill, but they may gain a new way of thinking. And that's what, that's what major. helps so me. Major. Yeah. yeah, so major. That's like, that, that was always like my, my issue with school. Like even going up to like college and stuff is like, I just felt like it was all the same way of thinking. And they're all just trying to frame your thinking around this, this, this. And it's like, and it kept repeating itself. It's like, like, it, you know where my, like my, my uh, disengagement with education started. Remember that too. I don't know if you've seen it. So remember that Tupac video where Tupac's talking about education. And he's like, Tupac's like, they teach you, they teach you uh, uh, English, arithmetic, science. Then from this age to this age, then from this age to this age, they teach you English, arithmetic, science. And then from here to here, they teach you English, arithmetic, science. And it never changes up. And before you know it, you're 30 years old. You haven't like tapped into any other creative thing. And he was talking about how there was some science behind like after a certain age, like like your mindset is kind of like set on a certain thing. Like you can't tap into I don't, it's obviously not true because there's people that are like 50 years old that tap into the creator self. But he's saying after like 35 years old, a black man loses all his power in, in like life to like make a decision on something. So it's like teach the same thing over and get you in this set way of thinking. And I watched that at like nine years old. I was like nine. And I'm just like, facts, man, I've been doing math. now. I've been doing arithmetic, English, and no science. <laughs> right. I was like, man, I did this shit like six times. And then that was like, you know, the year before I go into middle school, middle school arithmetic this and that i'm like yeah i'm sick of this i'm like, and, I, and from then on out i was like this ain't it and so like i started like failing everything i was just reading books talking being the jokester i wasn't never disrespectful or anything it's just like i was just tapping into being the back drawing being the back writing like little essays like just about whatever and the back reading a random malcolm x book like i'm not like super educated on a lot of things but i'm a generalist in a lot of things like i love learning about like by trade or or whatever i'm a personal trainer right but I like personal training. I learned about all these health things and I was learning about black history because, you know, my parents never taught me because I'm, I'm not black American. So, so I was like learning about this and I was trying to learn about the African culture and Ubuntu and Maasai tribes from Tanzania. And then I was trying to learn about this. So I was just like, I'm like a generalist in so many things. I was like, I never wanted to like math, <laughs> math, English, science. I was like, I ain't doing this shit no more. So I was like, <laughs> but that's funny, man. Since we, since we started, um, you know, talking about photography, I think you kind of already answered this question, so you don't have to answer it in depth if you already answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Did you find photography or did photography find you? Ooh. Uh, I think you definitely kind of answered yeah, that, but... I think it found me. I mean, it was, it was mutual. I was looking for it, and it's like, hey, I'm here. Excuse me. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely it definitely was uh, a mutual thing for sure. Because I was looking for something. I just didn't know it was going to be photography. Mm-hmm. And that just is, that's just what popped up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, you have to be looking though, like for anything. Like, if you want to change in life, you have to do or shift your frame of mindset. Like, and your frame of mindset was like, I'm looking for something, I'm looking for something. And then when you, you know, saw a camera in the corner, you're like, and I was, I was skeptical of where my career could go. You know what I mean? Um, so, I didn't necessarily think career with photography, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, at the time, I was just looking for something. I was like, man, this can't be it. This just can't be what everything is. You know what I facts, mean? Facts, facts, facts. All right, so got a difficult question for you. Uh-oh. Or it could be easy. <laughs> what qualities make a great photographer? Ooh, 
Okay. Um, well, I feel like there's there's multiple things. Um, I think, of course, with any skill or any uh, art form, you should always know the basics. So, you know, your ability to um, take a good picture in terms of composition, like where is the subject or whatever you're you're capturing, where is it located on your in the frame. Um, you know, of course, your grasp of lighting and and like your camera itself. Uh, but I think outside of that, it's like the little things. And I think a good photographer doesn't necessarily need all of these things, but to have a, a, an idea of some of these things, I think it's great. The ability to maybe work with a model or capture emotion, uh, the ability to storytell. Um, I think post-editing, how do you edit your pictures? How do you deal with colors? Um, I think those all can help make a great photographer. I think to each his own. I think everybody has a story to tell. Eventually, we get tired of like the cliche pictures. Because at first, when you start, it's more about the skill and like trying to just make something happen. I think as creators, we always fall into that at first. You just can't stay there. Facts, you got to develop yeah. from then on. Now. Yeah, like we get so excited to to do the cliche stuff. Like uh, I'm trying to think of something. The wet lens, or oh, let me take a picture of this girl wrapped around some. Lights, right? Like that's cool at first because you don't, you never did this done, before. Done so before so do ah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But after a while, it has to become you. You have to turn it into something. You have to find an identity through what you do. And it doesn't mean you have to stay in one lane. It's just you have to be able to create the inspiration for somebody else. Thanks. I think one thing that you just mentioned right there that I didn't actually know my whole entire life is the ed- the post editing uh, process of photos. Mm-hmm. I always thought post edits was only like for video until like I should have known this like years ago because I've been. But anyways, I just figured out like maybe two years ago when I think it's uh, I don't know if it was him, but I'm pretty sure it's him. Uh, I don't know his actual name, but on Instagram, Kenny did that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So so bro, like maybe a year or two ago, like would show his like the original photo and then the after effects he did. And I didn't know that there were after effects to photos. So this whole time I'm like thinking people are so, I mean, they are nice with the camera. You gotta be, but I'm thinking like they created this whole light, this whole lighting situation, how the skin color tints out looks dope and how this is shiny and this is dark. And I'm like, yo, how in the, did you do that? Like, that's fire. Like people are taking away the camera. What kind of camera did they got? And then, and then like he was doing that. I was like, Oh, like it was just a few like four Instagram stories. He's like, this used to look like this. Now it looks like this. It was like ten seconds. I looked at him, hold my whole shift of myself. Oh shit! Like I did not know this. And when starting off, people start to overemphasize mm-hmm. post editing because mm-hmm. um, it is important. Mm-hmm. But really, you should feel excited about the photo when you took it, and post editing should only make it better. Right. Um, I think in the past when you start off doing photography, this is me. I thought. Post editing would save it or make it better. I'm like, oh, you know, like I, I look back, I'm like, dang, I over edited that. Or this is one good shot, no matter how well you edited the picture. Um, so, like, that's that's a photographer as well. You'll learn, like, the shot itself matters. So, I know a lot of photographers that don't even like uh, the post work at all. I just, right. just want to take pictures, mm-hmm. I want to interact with people, I want to do that. So, give or take, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. But I can understand that because starting off, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, shit. What is it? This is fire. So 
we're going to jump in and talk to you about By Design Mag. Okay, so according to thy Instagram bio, um, <laughs> you're a co-founder of By Design Mag. First, I want you to answer what is By Design Mag? Like, what is that? Am I saying it correctly? Like, I personally became familiar just by, like, I came back to Kansas City and I was on a frantic search to find people who were creative and doing something in the city because my association with the city was always violence, death, this, that, like just negativity. I was like, all my friends are doing drugs. My best friend got murdered. Like, you know, I'm just thinking about like all this, like that's how my association, that's why I left. I was like, I'm going to Cali. I'm never coming back. Anybody asked me about Kansas city, I never would say anything good. Like I just no good association. So when I had, when I was forced to come back, I was like, I'm on a frantic search to find people like-minded and like events. And the very first event I came in contact with was Saturday Market. And so that literally inspired me and like had me feeling so like on a high and got this like, like podcast thing really, really rolling. I've been doing having this podcast for like three years, but in terms of consistency, getting guests on and being inspired to do it was that because I was like, Oh, there are creatives in Kansas city that are doing something. Oh, they can put on super dope events oh, we do have successful people coming out of here. Oh, like this, this isn't as important, but oh, there are like super physically attractive people out here. Like, no, for I know it's kind of stupid to say, but like my my association was just bad. I was like, there's not no pretty people. I was like, yo, there's so many beautiful people. Like I got all my beautiful brothers, beautiful women. I was like, everybody fly, I got fly outfits on. People are doing dope shit. Like these interviews are dope. This guy, you know, Street Wave has dope interviews going on. I was like, these people, I didn't even know who Morgan Cooper was. I, obviously, I knew who, um, what's, I forgot his name. Is it Chris? The, uh, Jing? Yeah, I knew of him because I've been to his spot before when I used to live here. Um, but uh, but that was dope. And I just like heard more about his story and the uh, old bro from St. Louis. So it's just like, insp- I just was feeling good. So long story <laughs> short, explain to me, what, not, don't do it in a short way, but expound upon what is by design mag and what role do you play in that? Absolutely. Group? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so blessings. I'm glad that Saturday market was able to inspire you. Fabulous. Um, by design mag, um, by design overall is a creative lifestyle brand, um, uh, which we of course are focused in, um, our publication, our events. And of course now we've been doing merch recently, Um, But overall, we want to inspire and motivate the creative in all of us. So whether you're full-time creative artist, whether you're part-time, whether you just appreciate a good aesthetic, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're, you know, young professional in the corporate grind, there's a little bit of something for everybody in the by design community. And that's a big thing that we're big on, community. Um, So... I'm glad that you, a lot of people, I'm glad a lot of people enjoyed an event like Saturday Market because really we want to continue to be um, a pillar and a genuine, authentic platform that not only brings dope things to the forefront, but we love putting people on to new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's you know a new creative, they met somebody at an event or heard somebody speak, um, or whether that's a song from you know a playlist or something that we create. So, um, or the magazine, like something inspires them to do more than what they've been doing before, and not off some like corny like motivational speaker stuff, but um, 
really just as a way to improve the community overall. Um, and do it with swag. Do it, do it with swag. Hella swag. Because yeah. <laughs> that place is popping. Pop. <laughs> now, it's funny because, like, everybody that I ran, like, the people that I ran into, like, well, not people, let me just say, like, two people. So, one person that I ran into there, I had been in contact with on Instagram for, like, a year maybe while I was in Cali. And he was like, he like, I don't know how we, uh, Hirsch, you know Hirsch? My guy. Yeah, so guy. Hirsch, like, we'd been in contact on, like, Insta for a, for a while. Like, I was out in L.A. He was like, oh, like, you know, oh, you know this person or something. I don't know how we linked up but on, on Insta, but we linked up. And we were just always just showing love back and forth. And when I came back in town, he was like, oh, you're back. Like, let's link up. Like, let's get a gym session in while you're here. Blah, blah, blah. That never happened. Run in, ran into him at the, the, the Saturday market event. And it was just like love. And I was like, oh, like, that's dope. Like, my boy pulled up here, whatever, interact with these people. I'm seeing all these dope people coming. And I got there at the very beginning. So it's like a little bit quieter. And then I just saw the crowd just like, boom. I was watching all come in, which I was honestly very surprised, um, which I'll have a question about that a little bit later. But like, I was just like, damn, people keep coming. People keep flowing. And at one point I looked back and I was like, oh shit, we packed out. Like, like, <laughs> cause at first I'm like sitting there talking to somebody. It's like, you know, you know, chill environment. Then look up more people. Last time I looked up, I was like, oh damn, cause it looked like we got like 400 folks in here. I was like, I was like, oh snap. But no. And then I didn't speak to him, but I, but I saw, um, what's his name? Uh, it's so funny how life works nowadays. We know people by their Instagram names more than their actual names. I know his name, but I'm going to just go ahead and say his Instagram name to get it out there because I can't remember right now. But uh, Samoan Rasta. Oh, yeah, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Mark. There we go. So so I saw him, and I had been seeing his uh, stuff. Randomly, I came across his post on Instagram right when Nip passed. And they went, him and uh, I think Wes and a couple other people went out to the funeral, right? Yeah. And I somehow came across, and I was like, oh, bro's from Kansas City. And then I saw the mural like a couple months later that they had. And then I didn't know that was on the side of Maid Mom because I was seeing it like went viral on Twitter, like on one of these videos of like Kansas City showing love um, to Nick. Um, and anyway, so I just ran into him. I was like, oh, everybody popping. And then Wes pulled up. I was like, hold up, bro. Like, who who is by design, man? Like, so we're going to flow into the question I was going to have about that. Speaking, how did you guys, how did you guys get that many people there like how what do you like it's not like you guys have like five million instagram followers or something but that's what it seemed like the amount of people came through that were showing love the the like how did you guys create that community or like get the message out there for people to like show love and come through I, that's not the great the way i wanted to ask that question but you i think you get the point <laughs> it takes it, it took time mm-hmm. um you know uh, we founded this thing um back in technically we started working on 2017 mm-hmm. uh uh, so I had this idea for lookbook and originally I love doing long term projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to tell stories of my photography. So um, I recruited who would be our co-founder, Tony, who would be our other co-founder, Justin. So of course, Tony ended up moving to Michigan. He's still on the team. He yeah. came down for Saturday market. Mm-hmm. And, but Justin and I would really hold down the fort once Tony would end up moving. But over time, um, really I, I established some connections early um, through what I was doing with photography. When I got done with school and I moved out here. Um, so like Morgan was like someone I met early from like mutual black creatives in Kansas City who we were talking about making moves and, and breaking out barriers and, and creating more opportunities for folks like us. 
Um, and he was just on that way back then. Um, so I just, you know, kept it in my back pocket, like this, this is the homie. But over time, we just tell our story. We keep showing up to these places. I know Justin, uh, our, our friend Abdul, who uh, is a big um, esports guy out here. He took him and Tony to like a creative meeting that Mark would host mm-hmm. with Maymon. Mm-hmm. Like, so the Maymon guys. Right. And they had entered, they just talked about the fact that we're trying to create a magazine and got everybody excited. This was back in 2017 mm-hmm. or 2018. They're like, dang, for real? Like, we want to be a part of that. So over time, genuinely creating relationships. And the thing is, our philosophy and one thing I try to like always keep in mind with people and the, the, the team for sure is that we're going to win people over. And we don't feel like anybody's entitled to support us. Um, I don't feel like anybody is forced to fool with what we're doing. Our job, and especially my job and my roles, is to create a beautiful, dynamic product, whether it's the event, whether it's the magazine or whatever, that will win you over. And once we win you over, we want to tell everybody. Yeah, which which I've personally been doing, so I know everybody else doing. I think... What you guys have like mastered and what I think everyone else and not even particularly, yes, as a brand, but more specifically as the individuals behind the brand is authenticity, bro. And the the importance of authenticity, I think people forget. They're, They're so focused on trying to like blow something up or make something dope that they're constantly drawing. It's okay to draw from others, but they're constantly just copying basically (laughs) Um, and not being themselves and feeling like they have to be extra than who they really are in order to like gain friends, I guess. I don't know how to say it, but. And there's two sides to that really. Um, One, we respected the game. Like we respected what's been done in Kansas city. Um, We respect the industry that we're entering that we had no idea what we're entering into. So we knew we would have to learn. And that was our mentality going into everything. Like, yeah, I have, like me personally, I've had experience in doing some marketing here and there, doing some social media work here and there, uh, branding, things of that nature. But um, really, we we just were students of the game and we continue to be students of the game. Uh, but then, too, like with our business, it's not our identity. Like, and we don't want anyone on the team. Justin feels the same way I do. And Tony feels the same way I do. I don't want this to just by design isn't who I am. It's just a part of what I am. Like, it's part of what I do. But everything that we do for by design isn't to try to fulfill something in me and me projecting that on others. And I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble is that they try to make something what it is. My identity is is not through any of this, but I love doing this. And I love it being so selfless, um, which is like one of the best things in I try to be myself through the process as well. If something doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. But um, my identity isn't in by design, but I love by design. I love what I do. I love helping people. Just I don't have to project my desires and my wants and my needs through this powerful tool that is growing because in reality, that's selfish. Someone's going to miss something important or somebody's going to miss out on something because... I was too busy focused on fulfilling my own self. I have to find that elsewhere. And I think that's what I love about the squad. And I think that's why we've been able to win people over, just not falling into those things for sure. I love that. Matter of fact, I had to write down the minute mark for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So 
what I'm familiar with is the hard copy magazine of, of by Design Mag, like that I saw at the event. I'm still becoming familiar with the brand, um, but I, I know there's a digital side as well. Yeah. So my question is, well, my question I wrote down before I figured out that it was there's a digital side as well was why a magazine when everyone is moving towards digital and towards tech and how and then once I found that out, I added the question: How is tech infused into the by design brand? Yeah, absolutely. Um, photography. Being a photographer, I my goals as I started to like learn more um, wasn't necessarily to do like the family portraits. I wanted to be in publication, so I would work towards that. And even growing up, I love magazines. So I love. My mom used to have Ebony Magazine and Essence Magazine. Thanks. And I used to, I like begged them and they gave me an ESPN Magazine subscription. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like really, really good. Yeah, I begged them, man. <laughs> I begged. <laughs> um, but even growing older as I was finishing up college, I was like, damn, I really want a magazine. Like, I didn't necessarily think I was going to create one, but I was like, oh, I really want a magazine. But as we started to dive into things of that nature. I Like I said, photography introduced me to worlds I didn't know existed outside of Kansas City. And I learned more about independent magazines and the beauty of print. And being someone that just is an artist, you love to see work displayed. I think social media is a cool place. Your phones are cool to show work, but nothing beats seeing it in person. Facts. And um, when we first started by design, we definitely didn't know anything about the industry. We couldn't afford print. I was like really adamant on our team to like have a print magazine eventually. Um, like shout out to my co-founder. He's like, oh, I don't know, like industries, this and that. I was like, dog, I've been doing my research. Independent magazines that focus on print and don't rely solely on print revenue. They, they do fine. They do well. So I was like, I want to find a way to get print. So the first issue, we couldn't do print. But kind of going into our second issue, we launched digital again, which is our, our way of getting it out, um, which wasn't expensive, which was right. cheap. It's fire as well. But I found a site. I was like, okay, let me try this. Sent it off. Got a copy. I, like, I looked through it. I was like, this is amazing. I was like, this is sellable. It's not perfect, but we can sell this. So nonetheless, we started and print opened up so many doors that digital could not. Um, Overall, where has tech played in with by design? I think, I mean, even now with issue four, Tony, our co-founder, is so brilliant and just how creative he is. And just he's a learner. Like he's like me and Justin. Like he's gonna learn as much as he can if he's intrigued by it. And he just created an app for us. And it's not necessarily an app you can view content, but he's like, yo, we just want to play around with this. You go into issue four, you go into some of the magazines, and you place the app into where the brackets are in the magazine. It'll play the videos that we use for promo through the app, fire. which is really exciting. Super fire. He did his thing. <laughs> Super fire. Um, but we, I, I think in the future, we want to continue to play with, um, with technology and see where we can go and how we can be more accessible to our target and be more accessible to our community. But um, overall, too, we also understand... Print is print. Print is so beautiful. And print has gotten us in so many places. And people love print. We just want to continue to control our narrative with print. And, and we're not afraid of an oversaturated magazine market because 
what matters most is the community that relates to it rather than the actual product itself. Mm -hmm. The product should be quality, the product should be good, the product should reflect what you want it to reflect, but if you don't have a community behind it, no one's going to buy the magazine. Nobody's going to want to read the magazine. So uh, it's a teetering thing. We play with, you know, technology and things of that nature. I mean, our biggest marketing tool is social media so far. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I've always kind of liked magazines, but when I saw that magazine, and this is not me just hyping it up to for, for capping on the podcast or nothing, bro, mm-hmm. like, yo, that shit is hard, bro. Nice. Nice. That, that shit is so hard. Bro, matter of I'll ask you off air, but um, <laughs> but yo, that shit was so hard. So I brought one of my homies. Like I was like, yo, I don't know anybody here. Like so, let me bring one of my homies that I know that appreciate this. So I brought one of my homies, and we're over there looking at the magazines. I was like, yo, the outside is already attracting. Like it's attracting to the eye. So I'm like, all right, let me check this out. Because first, I was majority there for the event for meeting people. Which, by the way, again, Instagram. It doesn't matter how many followers you have, but I just want you to like understand like how the no. I went into that with like nine hundred eleven followers. Came out with like what like I don't know where I'm at like a thousand hundred. Yes, I came out with like a thousand a thousand and like five. Like within the week, you know, from people I met at that. There were people. There was like people I met, and that like that night it went up like thirty or forty. And then, like, throughout the weeks, like, people saw I was following this person or I would follow somebody and they showed up back from the event. And it was just, like, went up, like, 100, 150. And then it's just been consistently going up from there, all from people connected to that Good. event. Still, like, still, like, it, obviously my podcasts are helping when I do things with it. But the people, I'm like, oh, I have people, personal follow me. I'm like, oh, I remember you from the event. Like, like two days ago that happened. I was like, oh, you were at that event. And then, so, I just want you to know that they definitely, like, if somebody, if you go there, if you go to events and you talk, Obviously, you can't just be in there quiet, you know, yeah. and not do anything. But like, if you going in there, like, it, it was definitely a great space. I just wanted to give more props on that one more time. Um, we're gonna go on one more short break, and then we'll finish it off, for like a few minutes to finish it off. So, if you are listening to this podcast, I appreciate you. If you're enjoying it, like, comment, share. Please leave a review because that is the only way this podcast can grow. Um, with that being said, said <laughs> we'll be back in just a few short moments. Blessings, ladies and gentlemen. We are back once again. Um, we're leading into the 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 final few minutes of this podcast, and I just want to ask you two more questions, brother. One is you are the creative director for Square Bear. So what, who, when, <laughs> what, who, where is Square Bear? And um, what exactly does it mean to be a creative director for Absolutely. somebody or for a video or for a brand? What does that look like? Absolutely. So that was a, a recent um, addition to the resume, I guess. Um, so I'm also the creative director for my design as well. Fire, uh, fire. So with Square Bear, that was originally a Kansas City-based streetwear um, brand uh, that's now in LA. Um, he had a ton of success in early. His name is Brooks Proctor, really dope guy. He's the founder, designer, everything. Uh, had a ton of success early. Um, kind of took some time off to deal with some issues, and now he's back and trying to reshape the brand in a new direction, but also maintain some of the the things that help 
Um, so a good friend of mine, Tamara Gibson, incredible photographer, incredible creative mind. Uh, she just put a word to him because that's her cousin. Brooks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, she knows I love men's fashion, men's wear, um, street wear. I love talking about those things. I talk clothes all day um, if I know what we're talking about. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, she just kind of put in a word. And I, I let you know what you think about this brand. I gave her my opinion on it. She really valued it because she's been helping him out. So next thing we know, we hopped on a, a, a call. Um, I kind of shared some of my opinions of where the brand is, where it can go. And it's been such a fun process as a creative director. I basically oversee a lot of the decisions in terms of creative. So um, I have my hand on more in terms of, I will have more of my hand on in terms of some of the designs going forward. But um, I help with the overall direction of the brand, um, giving definitions of the brand, brand strategy, um, directing shoots, concepts, marketing um, techniques, uh, marketing content. Um, so I do a little bit of everything. My hands are in a lot of things creative. So whether it's with the specific pieces or whether it's with the visuals and what you'll see on social media, how we portray ourselves on the brand, things of that nature. Like, so I'm, I'm all over the place and I give direction, basically. So I, I kind of tell them, like, hey, this isn't quite in line with the brand. They're like, maybe we should look into this. This is on trend. This is something that people are looking into. I don't think my impact has been um, kind of stated yet. Um, it's been more behind the scenes so far. It has been great. Um, I think people see more of kind of my influence in that in 2020. But I'm, I'm like, thankful to Brooks and Tamara for the opportunity. They've been the best. But as a creative director overall, it's a little bit different from by design, where it's like, well, not really. But, but by design, I just kind of oversee all visuals. Gotcha. So where Tony is the art director, he kind of builds the magazine, leads to charges of our graphic elements, and then Justin is more the editor-in-chief, so he kind of oversees the writing. All photography, marketing techniques, or marketing strategy, branding strategy, brand, um, you know, who we choose, selection, the overall direction is me. So, so with the most recent, um, with the most recent magazine, sorry, <laughs> uh, is the, are the majority of the photo, uh, photographs in that magazine you? So I would probably say I shot about eighty percent of the uh, issue yeah. four. What about the 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 the, the, the mask? The mask. That, that, that shit was fire, <laughs> son. Yo, yo, let me dap you up live on the podcast right now. That shit was fire. <laughs> Yo, you don't understand. I was like tweaking out when I like seen saw that in the magazine because like I might have saw it on your page when because I, I followed you before I went to that event. Uh, but I think I saw it like actually like on the magazine, and I was like, yeah. I had that reaction to a lot of the things in there, but that I was like, yeah. I don't know why, but for some <laughs> reason it had me like kind of like obnoxiously talk. I was like, yo, this shit is wild, son. Like starting to sound mad, like New York. I was like, man, I ain't even from New York. But I was in there wilding out. Like my homie was like, what? I was like, look at this. He's old. It is cold. I, I was, try to be a storyteller. Brother, it's, and it's fire. The whole thing with me, I want to continue to transition to more, um, I guess, like setting the tone, mm -hmm. setting vision, and then allow the team to do what they got to do. So hopefully more and more I'm shooting less. Mm -hmm and letting others that we feel like fits within the brand shoot more and display their talents while we give direction, we give um, ideas and, and where to go. Because a lot of it is like, I'm not only giving the ideas and how we should do it, and, and, but then I'm out there shooting as well. But I'll, you know, shout out to um, Sherris and Deb. Those are the two models. They did a phenomenal job that day. Um, Bristol Knight, 
video guys. Just saw some content by them. I don't know whose content they shot or what it was from, but I just saw something super recently, maybe last night. I don't know if it was on Twitter or Instagram. Something fire, and that's how I found out about them, and then I saw that they were involved with Joe. I love those guys. They're so thorough. Nick and Nate are just so thorough. They shot the videos for the Issue 4 promotion, so that video of the cover, they worked together on that, and it was just a joy working with them. They're just like... I love it, like, cause I I tend to be the same way too. Like, let's let's get it right. Let's get it right the first time. Um, and if we don't get it right, we're gonna keep working till we get it right. Um, so they were big instrumental in terms of like our layout and how we kind of push those things out. Um, and really, just I I'm so thankful to Justin and, and Tony for really allowing me to have such influence creatively. Um, to share these ideas and they just trust what's coming out of my mind and and helping us push it out and, and putting it together. Um, you know, they've been so helpful and they're both talented in their own right. So I'm just so thankful that they give me the, the space to like do that. And like I said too, I want to make sure I'm creating something that makes sense. So I'm not necessarily fulfilled, like trying to fulfill some kind of deep desire for myself as well. I feel like my identity isn't in creativity. My identity isn't the man upstairs so um really yeah like that just came together and i think if people really i'd say that was a very abstract magazine in a way um and it, there's deep meaning in every concept which is really fun and that is a whole other podcast within itself but, facts um, facts there's yeah there's deep meaning within everything which is really exciting. so first off thank you um second off Thank you again. Third, it's funny that you say that because we're definitely going to have to do like another podcast because there's so many like questions that I still want to ask. There's so much like I feel like just we're definitely going to do that in the future. Um, I want to acknowledge you for first off your attention to detail when it comes to your creative art overall, um, directing your photos, um, the way you you articulate yourself when you talk about the projects that you're involved in. Um, I love it. You can see the power, the passion, um, how much you care. It's like, it's as if everything you're talking about is like your little baby. Um, so, so I want to acknowledge you for that. I also want to acknowledge you for your shout outs to, to people. So your, you, your, your care for the people who are helping you out. You know, you don't make it seem like you're doing it all yourself. You shouted out like at least 10 different people on this podcast. Oh, yeah. No, no, which is beautiful. Like, I love it. Um, so I want to acknowledge you for that, for showing love to your team, to the people that have helped you out. Um, and then, of course, I appreciate you coming on here. So with that being said, with the very final question, um, in 95 years, we'll say that just because we want you to live long and prosperous. Um, in 95 years when you pass away, how do you want the world to remember Munfoy? Um, That's tough. Because uh, I'm very much, I think my mentality has changed over the years. Um, but I would say the people that I had the opportunity to um, interact with, uh, I want them to remember um, really the man that I was um, in terms of what I was able to give to others. Um, I can accomplish all the things in the world that's great, that's cool. Um, and but really, if I was able to open the door for others, I think that means something. I think for me, when I look at the people I admire, they open doors for others. I think 
you know, say what you want about LeBron or somebody like that on the court, but off the court to open a school for children where he was still criticized for giving an opportunity to kids that they would, you know, demonize. And now you change the course of life for other people. I think that's powerful. And, and my goal is to hopefully do that in ways that I was given the talents to do, um, whether that's through creative things, um, providing access. So I would hope in 95 years, the the way I, I left the world is better than what I saw it and that other people are able to exist as well. So, Fire, bro. Fire. Well, another live dap up. Um, Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to this full podcast, I love you. I appreciate you. If you listen to half of this podcast, I love you. I appreciate you. All of that. Um, Again, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you made it this far, please like, comment, leave a review again, because that is the only way we can grow, especially on Apple Podcasts, which is one of the larger platforms for podcasts. So please share comment, review, and with that being said, we love y'all. The Culture Talks out. Salud!